Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, everyone. <laughs> How you guys doing? Um, I'm from a very well-lit room where you guys are a little bit uh, – you're a little bit better now. Russ, you were in the dark before. I was in the dark a minute ago. Now yeah. now it's a little more illuminated. You have a little more light, Mike. That'd be good. Um, if not, yeah, anyway. I'm at my maximum capacity, apparently. That's fine, actually. It doesn't look terrible. Mike um, is at five lumens for people watching at home. Yes. Yes. Was that? Is that better? A little bit. I get all. I get all. <laughs> I get all of my uh, light. You know, from upstairs. You know, upstairs. I have a series of mirrors that reflect the light all the way down here to like light up the room. It's pretty good. Pretty That's good. science. Yes. Science. Science are your best. So USA, how huh? they finished number one in their bracket? Is that true? In this, uh, in the World Cup. Matter. World Championships. I don't know. I'm just saying that's pretty good considering they lost to Germany in the first game. Yeah, I see Kevin Hayes is scoring. I mean, it's nice that he's scoring now. Yeah. All right, let's get right to it. We're going to do a lot. Guy knows, guy knows he couldn't do it during, during the regular season. No oh, goals Russ. in the playoffs. Now he's scoring. Russ, <laughs> didn't you want to bring up something quickly? Or? I did. Eck, I don't know if you saw, but there is a now there's a brewing controversy in Nashville for anthem singing. No oh, boy. Because Nashville has a regular anthem singer, and I have to, right? I have to pull up his name, Mike. Do you know his name of him? I don't. I'll get it. And and so while they have a regular anthem singer, they have gone with Carrie Underwood, as yes, we know, yes, and stuff like that. Yeah, Lady Antebellum. Uh, Luke I forget Bryan, who else. Luke, Luke Bryan. Luke Bryan and Vince uh, Gill. Was he the other one? Vince Gill Vince and his daughters. Yep. Okay. Vince and, Gill and the Gillettes. And now this is apparently irked their regular anthem singer, which I don't blame them because, you know, no, I agree. the funny thing is, is, is that I'm not saying Nashville is doing anything wrong as far as an organization, but you do have to understand these are humans involved and they take a lot of pride in this job, even though we all know it's a part-time job, right? It's funny because yeah. just because you're a team's anthem singer doesn't mean they pay you enough that you could quit your job. They don't. No, and it's it's interesting because it's a part-time job, but it's also it's also you know a lot of commitment. Like you know, like I mean, and, and much of everyone says, oh, it's great to sing national anthem every night. You know, I've mean, talked to Lauren Hart many times about. It. I mean, it's like she has to like you know her whole life you know for for nine months a year revolves around the fact that she's got to be in the arena for all those games. Like it, you know, so she's you know she's a musician herself, so she can't tour very much. She's got to put things away. Yeah, it is. I mean, and if you do it all year long, and then you're kind of left out when the moment gets exciting like this, I can understand you being completely upset about it. It's Dennis K. Morgan, and the problem is, is that while Nashville's in the playoffs and there's so much press about everything that's going on there, he is literally getting asked about that everywhere he goes. Right, of course he is, because, you know, yeah, people don't. I was just surprised how candid he was, Russ, about, like, being irked. I mean, you normally would just be, like, you know, yeah. a political answer would be, well, yeah, I mean, I, I'd love to be out there, but when you have somebody like Carrie Underwood or somebody like Vince yeah. Gill, you, 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 no, no, no. You want to be out there, especially when they're on national television, and, you know, most of the time they cut to commercial, but sometimes they actually will show the anthems, and yeah. that, is a, that is a big thing. So, anyway. 
Yeah. yeah. Imagine now if they go to Charlie Daniels, how mad he'd get. Yeah. <laughs> if, he, if he went to Charlie Daniels, he would have quit, Ross. Come on. It's tough think, because this is a, this town is all about music, right? So it's tough yes. to have like this. I mean, they probably really need to have a, you know, I mean, he sings the national anthem all the time. They, they would probably be well served by getting different people all the time, you know, not to get, not against him, but this is the kind of place that shouldn't have like an, it's an a music city. Yeah, I guess. Because this is a place, you know, that has, I mean, they could have some people do it more often than not, but, you know, this is a place where you can always find some great musicians to do it. I mean, they could jump this in. This is any. the hockey tradition, and I guess, yeah, we want the hockey to turn Broadway? Because essentially, the Rangers at times use Broadway singers instead of John, Mandor John Amarante, but Amarante's 82 years old. I get why he's getting phased out. Yeah. But this guy's not 82 years old, and generally teams go with the person that, that has been doing it for the you know the longest time that the fans like right. it's not you know they're not, they're gonna like the recording artists don't get me wrong well, but well, Russ the, the the one it's 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 funny because um, the Maple Leafs this year um, hired a 15 year old with an incredible voice named Martina Ortiz Louise and she's you know it's got a, she's fantastic mm -hmm. but she's 15 and I'm thinking. If she's, you know, if, if they keep, she could be there for thirty years, <laughs> right. she would only, and she would only be forty-five. When you know, like when when they when when they fire her or when she moves on to something else. So it's like, if you better like her because she's gonna be around for a while. See, that was the problem for poor Kate Smith. She got into it so late in the game. Yeah, I mean, I think that's part. Is I think that what you have to realize, like Nashville, I know David Poyle does actually model himself. Um, after the Flyers. He's told me this. He said flat out because he grew up, Bud Poyle, his dad was a GM of the Flyers. He grew up around the Flyers organization. Right. So I think the idea of having special people sing the national anthem is something that's in his blood. Like I think that's part of what you get, like the Kate Smith thing and everything. He, mm -hmm. he lived through that. He was a kid when that was happening. He was here. Right. You know, well, um, and this is not this is not a comment on my patriotism or anything, but the uh, my favorite anthem singer in the entire NHL is Doug Allen, the Sabers anthem and uh, anthem singer, because he has to be the quickest anthem singer yeah. of them all. He it's it's good and it's quick instead of this long drawn out like. You know, just because you can hold the note for a minute doesn't mean we want to hear it for a minute. Get the anthems done. Yeah. Let's pay our respects and let's watch them hockey. Yeah, it's a shame. I mean, I, maybe they'll give them a chance somewhere down the line here in one of these games. But you know, it, it's it's tough. I don't and I don't blame the Predators for doing what they're doing. Also, because you know, part of what's happening right now and people don't even realize like that's you know. And I've been like I, as you guys know, I've been part of the Predators forever. This is a team that I've always been. I've been close to. I was there when they were trying to sell tickets to keep Jim Balsillie from buying the team. I spent a whole 12-hour shift next to Vernon Fiddler on the phone as we talk to people. I mean, I heard you were going to open up a hush puppy stand, but it just didn't happen. Yeah, you know me. I'm a, uh, they didn't want drink a toast down there. So, um, but, um, yeah, so I have been completely a part of this. And I know that part of what's happening right now, and it's fascinating to watch from my perspective, is Nashville is becoming cool. Right. Like, I'm watching it, like, you know, and I've seen, like, for years where I used to get on here and other shows and talk about it, and they're like, oh, people talk about Nashville like they talk about Arizona now, you know, I hear that a lot. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not a hockey city. It's the point of having, you know, it's a, it's a country music town. Why would they, you know, but Nashville now has become like, how many times have you heard people say, you know, oh, all the reporters hope it happens in Nashville because it's a great, you know, place it's to true. go. Now they are saying that when I'm trying to look up the year the draft was there, was, was that um, like 2004? Yeah. They're, saying that, they're right. saying that, they're saying that because they want to go to Tootsie's. That's why. 
Yeah, you know, it's funny. And there's a lot of places like that. You know, Twisties is the worst place to go, by the way, because there's so many places like that right along that strip, right? And it's the All-Star game last year really, like, I thought was, like, a tipping point in a lot of ways because people were kind of blown away. Some of the reporters were blown away by the scene that hadn't been there before. So it's fun to watch. it become cool. These, these like, singers and singing groups, stuff like that, they add to the coolness of it, for sure. They add to all part of it. So I think that it's hard for Nashville not to do that right now because there's a, you know, I mean, when you can have Carrie Underwood do it, you, you know, you're going to have Carrie Underwood do it. It's like, and that's, you know, if you're going to have Vince Gill, Vince Gill now has sung anthems for them before. This guy that they have as a regular, it doesn't do every single anthem, you know, like he did during the regular season. They have other people sing, so. Um, Actually, it was 2003. I, I couldn't remember if it was 03 or 04. That yeah. was in Nashville. And, and the thing that I took away from there was because I had never been there. I thought it is a cool place. We had a good time. That it was largely undiscovered. I did feel that way. And their yeah. fans, like they made cool signs. Like I, I bonded with their fans. I thought their fans the were fans are really awesome. easy to bond with because they're so great. I mean, yeah. And, and and you know, and I know the early on thing was that they didn't know the game very well. And I and that was true. And you you, were, you went down there and you would see that they went, you know, having been in a place where everybody knew everything and the every possible rule, but that's gone now. I mean, they, they, they thought Hugh Jessamine was a good pick for the Rangers. That's how much they didn't know. <laughs> They know the game now because, and you know, and they know it. And a lot of that has to do with you know Pete Weber, we've had on the show a lot. It really like basically spent ten years educating these guys about the game, you know, about how how it works. And you know, that's like Philadelphia learned the game from Gene Hart. You know, that I've always said the play by play announcers are so important for that kind of stuff. So uh, yeah, anyway, that's that's where it's at right now. We'll talk more about that, but let's get going. Today is May sixteenth, Hockey World two thousand and seventeen. I'm Michael Lagello. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. And I am Eklund, and I am always right. So can we talk about this for a second? Because I wasn't on the show yesterday. You guys did the show, and I really appreciate it. You, you, you helped step up because I was out for various reasons. Um, but the um, thing that I want to talk about is this series between the Penguins and the Senators because I think I nailed this one like as to what's happening. I really felt like that what I said was going to happen, so much to the point that after that some last night, Guy Boucher was asked, was it tough to watch because it was boring? You know, the game was boring, and I said this would be a boring series. I said these will be boring games, and the, the Penguins will not know how to play against the Senators. And it will take them a while to adjust, and if the Senators can get out to a jump on them, anything can happen. You know, eventually the Penguins will figure it out. Now, whether or not they have figured it out yet or not is still up for debate. And now that it's going back to Ottawa, I don't think they're this close. I do. I, yeah, they I, are that close. But now Boucher gets the advantage of being able to match. So the thing is, he's been able to do that without being able to match. They've been able to keep them to really two goals in two games. Yeah, but here's the thing. The chances were insane yesterday. The chances, I don't have numbers right now to back me up, but the quality chances that they were getting yesterday, they were close to breaking through. Like, not only did you know that they were going to win that game, but now you feel like even someone like Kessel and Malkin will start breaking through every game. If they can stop arguing with each other, yeah. um, I mean this. This is the one. This is the one thing. Uh, the, the, the Ottawa Senators are the closest thing that I've seen to the 1993 Montreal Canadiens because they're six and two in eight overtime games. They're winning yeah. everything in overtime. The, yeah. You know, right now I, I think their goal differential is like even or maybe one or it, yeah. it may be even, it may be even in the negative. So what, what what that tells you is that I mean they're winning by the hair of their chinny chin chin and and. and Honestly, I think the series going back to Ottawa is not a good thing. I mean, obviously, you know, the, the schedule is set out. But it's not a good thing for Ottawa in the sense that they have not played as well at home as they have on the road. 
Boston played them pretty well at home. Yeah. The Rangers should have won two games there. There will be pressure from the Ottawa crowd to not play this boring 1-3-1. One, one. I mean, it's perfect on the road. You frustrate the crowd. You frustrate the home team. And they, they did that last night, and you could see the frustration on the faces of the Penguins players on the bench. But the Penguins still won. And unless it's a complete war of attrition where there's like Frankie Corrado and uh, Chad Ruido as your top defensive pairing, I'm still confident that Pittsburgh is going to blow the Senators out. I'm not going to say blow out, but I think, I think they're figuring it out. Ek. Um, the only thing that could stop them is if they lose Kessel – Malkin or Crosby for any length. Now, we got to talk about the Fanuf hit because yeah. I was talking about it on Twitter, and the one thing I'm getting tired from he of hearing is, well, it's a legal hit. Yeah, I don't want to yeah. talk about this legal hit. Right back, guys. Sorry, one second. Okay. The, I just think the league has to decide, is a headshot legal or illegal? If a headshot's illegal, whether you mean to do it or not, whether you can't stop yourself or not, it should at the very least – be penalized. And the fact that he wasn't even penalized was crazy to me. Well, I mean, the argument that the the pro-hitting – and that's the thing. I'm pro-hitting. I want hitting in the I'm game. pro-hitting too, but – Right, right. But, but you know, it, it, it's gotten – the, the minutiae has gotten so thick right now that you hit somebody and you hit the mid-body, upper body. Yeah. And because the head is attached to the upper body, when, you know, the impact of that hit snaps the person's head back and then they hit the ice and the head hits, I mean, technically, was it a head hit? No, but there's going but to I be... I felt like there was jaw contact on that more than even mid-body. Well, it was... And it, and, and, okay, to, to play both sides here. Yeah. Rust was leaning forward, cutting across the middle. I mean, cutting across the middle is a, is a you know, a in the playoff. Place, I guess. It's a dangerous place. And he's leaning forward, and Fanuf is – I mean, he followed through – I think he followed through with his right arm. Yeah. But, that, you know, that's, that's understandable when you're, when you're laying a hit. But right. it, was more, it was more the impact of when Rust hit the ice and then his head – it didn't look like his head hit the ice when I watched the replay. But if I watched it a couple more times, it, it was after the impact on the ice that his head hit back on yeah, the ice. Yeah, and it did. And, and so my feeling is Fanuf knew enough – to not extend his arms or he'd get a penalty. So he kept it in and he just sort of plowed them. And my point is you make a headshot illegal or you don't, or you at least make it a penalty or you don't. Yeah. It's that simple. If guys can manage to move out of the way and not cut each other at a split second with a skate blade, don't tell me Fanuf couldn't get out of the way. Don't tell me he's too tall and Rust is too short. I'm really tired of hearing about this. Yeah, I mean, Fanuf didn't leave his skates, but Rust Rust was leaning forward, and then as the natural follow through of the check, you see, Mike, I disagree with that. I thought he did leave his skates a little bit. Well, I'll see it again here. Watch it here, you know, he he leaves. Oh, yeah, I mean, actually, he did leave it a little bit. He left his he left his skates after the hit. It wasn't like he projectiled himself. That's see, that's the thing. It's okay. like some, some things you can't prevent when you're throwing a hit like that. Your momentum may carry you off the ice. I mean, that's, that's fair, but you could prevent where you hit the guy, and he definitely sure. could have hit him lower. Yeah. Sure, but but rush. I mean, okay, there are certain instances where I think the person who is the puck carrier or the hit e. Uh -huh. Is, has has some responsibility in the playoffs. Are you telling me you you, you don't expect to get hit cutting across the middle in the offense? Well, this, is, this is like this is the. I mean, if those of you who lived in Philadelphia, Flyers fans know this. This is the Kevin Stevens, Eric Lindros hit perfectly. Like it's it's exactly what it's like. Yes. 
I mean, the same exact spot in the ice, same thing, same same crossover, same. Yeah. You know, um, and that was, you know, that hit was ruled completely legal in the time. So, you yeah, know. and so far it's completely legal now too. And I'm not even calling for a suspension. Yeah. I'm saying he needs to get a penalty there because yeah. that is a really dangerous hit. Now, are you telling me, and again, this is where I was having a, a Twitter argument. Are you telling me that is the only way that Fanuf could get the puck away from Rust is with that hit? Because I'll, I'll. I mean, that, that, okay, that hit was meant to separate the man from the puck and lay out some punishment, of yes, course. Absolutely. And, that, and then that's, and that's playoff hockey. There's going to be hitting, there's, there's going to be border, borderline hits and borderline plays. And okay, if, if, you know, if you base it on the result of what happened because Rust left the game, then Fanuf should have been penalized. But I don't think he should be suspended because no, right now I don't think so either. But right, right now the rules allow that to be. You know, if you don't want any hitting in the game, then you know what is it? Rule forty-eight. Then upgrade rule forty-eight to make it impossible for somebody to lay a hit above the waist. I mean, you know, no, they, I'm just saying if you hit someone jaw or above, yes, that is considered a headshot. You're getting at least uh, two minutes. Is that too much to expect? That no, no, sorry. no. I agree. I, I, you know, I, I do agree. I mean, I think that it's a disrespectful hit, you know, in general. I mean, it, it's like, it's got this, I mean, this is, this is what Fanuff's supposed to do in this series. You know, this is his bottom line. He's got to be, this is the player he's got to be. It's, it's fascinating to me, just as an aside, mm -hmm. how the two players that were run out of Toronto on a rail, like Fanuff and, and Kessel, yeah. are really are such big factors in the conference they, final. Like, yeah, I mean, well, they were they were in Toronto and like you know Toronto couldn't get arrested in Toronto and they were totally completely. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't that they couldn't get arrested in Toronto. Act. It was the fact that the organization under Brian Burke and Dave Nonis gave Phil Kessel and Dion Phaneuf eight million and seven million dollars when they weren't core players. Phil Kessel as a number one winger or as a core player is a disaster. As a complimentary scorer, he's great. And, and I, you know, as, as anybody on this Pittsburgh thing, team. yeah, no, but I mean, he's, having, he's like, he, Hey, we're joined by Peter Tessier. How are yeah. He's, ha he's Good having, he's having, gentlemen. Hey, Peter, he's having an impact. And, and, but, and, and Fanuf as well. Fanuf is on the second pairing with Cody CC when he plays 25 minutes a night on right. a number one pairing, he's exposed as a guy who, you know, he, he, he's not the fleetest of foot, but when he's playing against second lines, you can get away with that. Well, yeah, I mean, it, without, without, Kessel, they don't win the Stanley Cup last year, and they I agree. win the Kessel. They wouldn't. They might not win it this year because I mean, they, he's really that that important to them, which is kind of crazy. But where did Kessel play? He played on the third line with Hagelin and Benino last year. That's yeah, the, that was arguably at times the second line. But yes, I do agree with you. I mean, they played so much. That line played so much hockey. Right. I mean, their timing wise, I mean, they played as much as anybody. They had really, they had really two second lines last year on that team. So, I mean, you could say that, I and mean, that yeah. wasn't a typical third line at all. No. Peter, let me let me ask you because you saw you saw Fanuf in his Calgary days. In his Toronto days, he seemed to be very selective when he when he laid out a hit. Like he would hit rookies, like uh, Brendan Gooley from the Sabers. He hit him in a preseason game and knocked knocked him out. And uh, he he didn't play, he didn't play like they said he was going to make the team. And after the preseason game, he he didn't uh, he got sent back to the Western Hockey League. And he he's very he was very selective when he was in Calgary. He was trying to be like the next Scott Stevens. He was trying to lay everybody out, wasn't he? Yeah, absolutely. He was – I mean, remember that rookie year. I mean, he was absolutely – he was a beast, and he was a Norse contender. Yeah. Right? And it, it's sort of funny, like, you know, seeing him now, it's like 
where is that game gone? Because that's what made him successful. Starting to see and it right now. I mean, starting to see it now. I think, this, I think this is the first time we've seen it since then. I mean, this reminds me. Yeah. I mean, that, like I said, that hit could not have been more Scott Stevens-like. I mean, that was Scott Stevens to a T, right? So, yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, it. it's a fascinating series, you know, and it's really, I mean, they're saying the games are boring, but I'm really enjoying the fact that, like, like, and what I, wrote, what I talked about before, when I picked the Ottawa Senators to win this series, you know, which everyone thought I was nuts for, I, I, and I still think I'm nuts for, and I still, but I said, listen, I mean, everybody's picking the Penguins. I might as well look at the Senators at least. And when I looked at it, I've, the reasons I found were simple, that the Penguins haven't played against a counterattack team in the playoffs over the last two years. They're hitting another counterattack team now. That's... And you could see it last night. The Penguins in the middle of this, right at the end of the second period, there was a moment when the Penguins were swarming them, and they actually were stepping up. They were they got to the point where they were okay. We're gonna we have to attack them because they're gonna sit back and wait and wait and wait. So the Penguins attacked them, and the Senators almost scored coming back. Like they picked up they 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 because the thing is this: when you're a counterattack team, you know you can get away with not having the greatest defenseman in the world. But you know what's happening with the Penguins is you know they if if the penguin forwards take chances and one of those other defensemen takes a chance and and the sens can counterattack them they're counterattacking against a defenseman that they can that they can own you know that's that's what's happening so you're looking at the penguins defenseman not being good enough necessarily to handle the situation so the counterattack is is really it's just it is boring to a degree but i think boucher is again it's just he's killing it like as far as the way he's coaching this team I mean, next game will tell i think guys like i said yeah. i think the penguins have figured something out now and the amount of chances, look, just just the shot that Kessel scored on, if they get a couple of those, Anderson's not going to be able to stop Yeah, them. but how close did the Senators come, too? I mean, the Senators had – Not the, as close as that. I don't at think the end of the game, they had like three or four chances that could have easily gone in. Mm, um, and, you know, they could have tied the game at any point. You know, and that, to me, that – I, I think it's. I think it's a, still a toss-up. You know, it depends what happens. Last, last Peter, because he he doesn't have any skin in the game as far as when we originally picked the series. Peter, did you think at any point Ottawa was really going to win that game? I never did. No, I, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> Just yeah. only if they got extremely lucky. Right. Right. A bouncing goal, luck. dirty goal, something weird. Yeah. yeah. Well, this is what this, and this is what is interesting for the Penguins, and it probably will help them if in the next round, because the Penguins, you know, if they get to the next round, which you know, I, I still think, you know, they're obviously the favorite to get to the next round, um, you know, and they can, and if you know, that's why I said the Senators had to win early, like you said, Mike, if they win early, the series could change, but um, you know, if they because the, when the Penguins do figure out how to play against this team, that's the point at which the Senators are going to have to get lucky. Um, but you know, if they get to the next round, what the Penguins are learning right now will help them because the next two teams are both also really good counterattack teams, and they're but they're more they're better than the Senators. And these are again teams like the Sharks. They lucked out with last year because the Sharks are an attack team. So this the, they get to, the, but they have to play Anaheim or especially Nashville. Nashville will will do everything Ottawa does, but way better <laughs> than Ottawa. Yeah, I would agree with that. So well, the have, Penguins are learning how to play that right now. Well, I think I think Nashville has more firepower, but I, yeah. I honestly, you know, so I mean, I mean that that's a that series is a completely different series. It has a completely different dynamic. Although, yeah. I mean, last night last night it started to get really rough in the uh, in the in Pittsburgh Auto in, in that yeah. series. I mean, I, and I didn't hear. I, I know that Justin Schultz left the game. I don't know if he came back because I I only saw highlights because I was up in Toronto at a. I don't at think the, he uh, came back. I don't remember. Yeah, so, yeah, so right now. 
yeah, I mean, right now has got to be a big concern for the for the Penguins is the fact that you know Daly Daly is out. Yeah. Uh, now he may come back for Game Three, but Schultz is out. And obviously, Latang is out for the year. So you're you're getting into you know Chad Riedel and Derek Pouliot territory. And if there's another guy who drops off, it's going to be you know the, the the this patron saint of Toronto, Pat Frankie Corrado, who who might. <laughs> David Warsawski, I would use him before Corrado. Just well, right, but I'm, but I'm just saying it's like it's really getting thin, and you can only yeah. take it so far. Where you know Pittsburgh, you know everybody says, well Pittsburgh can succeed with a with an average defense. Well, you're not getting into average territory if you're playing right. those guys. It's, you're getting below average, and that's when another team can take advantage. Yeah, yeah, I agree. That's why the defense is going to get pounded. I mean, they're going to pound the defense like crazy, and then that's you know and not necessarily legal, but that's what's going to happen here, right? So. Could we have a Tom Tom Sestito sighting here, Ross? We really could. We could definitely. They're, they're, keep, they're staying away from that, so I I'm going to say no at the moment. But <laughs> so far, but I think that game, if they're ever going to use him, they're going to use him the next game because he definitely, mm -hmm. and they're going to use him on the road too. Because maybe maybe Mike Sullivan will sit Tom Sestito in between Malkin and Kessel. So <laughs> right, right. That's that cool. going to play that center. Man, Torres is really driving. Oh, is he? That's fun to watch. I mean. If you're going to bring Sestito in to run around and act like a goon, aren't you actually hurting yourself more than doing? I don't know. Any Chris Neal did it. They advanced. Right. Chris, Chris Neal actually can play a little bit of hockey. For two minutes, he played for two minutes. Chris Neal neutralized the neutralized that that uh, difference maker Tanner Glass. He did. Yeah, you're gonna. Yeah. I, mean, gonna they, I agree, though. I mean, Neal's a better player. Than he is. He is. I mean, and Neil's been. Neil's has a lot of experience. He's been around the block, so he knows what he's. Doing. I, I'm a better player, and I can barely skate. All right, so let's talk. Let's talk about the Predators and um, and Ducks tonight. Before we get into, it, we're going to talk about Arizona, and then we're going to get to the rumored chart a little bit here today. Arizona's um, who they have to protect and stuff like that. So we're going to go to there. Um, but uh, let's go into um, let's go to tonight. And so Nashville comes home tonight against Anaheim, and. This is, of course, I mean, this is usually games three and five to me are always the big games in the series. That this is what you see. Like three dictate dictates a lot of what happens next. So the Predators have not lost at home yet. They've been dominant in the playoffs at home. Um, this building's going to be crazy. It's the first time that they've ever had a conference final game in in Nashville. So it's going to be nuts. Um, that pressure can not help a team sometimes. I mean, that's possible that that pressure works against them because the Ducks come in there with not as much to lose really tonight as the Predators have. Um, the Ducks win one game two, and I think it was really interesting that I, we, I wasn't here yesterday to talk about it, but to me, the Predators really got caught, stopped, and they stopped playing. Um, and they really shouldn't, like, after the that game, I was up 2 nothing. The Predators got up 2 nothing too easily in that game. I yeah, I think that's fair. And then they, once they stopped playing, they couldn't bring the momentum back. And another thing about that game. You know what, the, the grit and the experience of, of yeah. Anaheim definitely hurt Nashville's forwards. Look. Ryan Johansson, you know I'm a big fan. Yeah, he can't divulge what he divulged because now he just gave Kessler more power for the next game. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Um, and you're, you're going to see. I mean, and, you know, and Renee, you know, had issues down the stretch for sure, um, but so did Gibson. I mean, Gibson was not good in that game either. I think he was better down the stretch than Renee was, but you're right. He started off bad. He started off bad, Ak, and then late in the game. I mean, that that scramble with about five minutes left to go in the third period, where he was yeah. he was down on the ice and flailing his yeah. his legs. If the shot had gotten through, probably would have gone in, but it, you know it got stopped by a couple defenders, and he made yeah. one stop, and that's that in a way saved the game. So yeah. I mean, it was spotty, but Rene was spotty too. Yeah, Rene's not still not what Rene used to be. It's the same as Lundqvist. There, you know, goalies now. 
we, we're used to like the old days where a goalie would really stay at, at a certain level. Like Patrick Watt <laughs> stayed at a certain level probably yeah. for 15 years. You can no yeah. longer do that as an NHL goalie based on video review, based on video, you know, and I mean for the club, not, not for yeah. like in the yeah. game, yeah. Uh, based on equipment, based on even fourth liners being able to snipe the way they are. Like it's a different world. Oh, you're totally right. No, you're totally right. I agree with that completely. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what to expect for. I don't know what to expect for tonight. I think Rene will be back. Um, you know, he's he's played so well. He has a tendency to bounce back pretty well after these games. Usually, um, Gibson's still giving up rebounds to me, even though he's you know he's still just, he's a he's a rebound machine right now at times. I mean, he had played really well in the third period of that game, but there have been times in this playoffs and and especially in this defense series. is setting up well around him though. What I noticed yeah. is is that when when they've lost the puck possession. You see at least three defenders around him willing to block, clear the puck, whatever. And that's been a big key, I think, to last game and, and, and moving forward. I think it's a good strategy. Well, I, I think the key in this series so far has been Anaheim's ability to, I think, rock the Nashville defense. I remember in game one, um, I think it was Cogliano, and I don't think he did it on purpose, but he knocked uh, Ryan Ellis heavy into the boards and Ellis – um, you know, got up pretty slow and seemed a little bit slower than he normally would be uh, at, for the rest of the game. They, they've been concentrating on and doing things to Yossi. Uh, you know, Ellis is not the biggest player in the world. I think they're trying to be physical with him. That, right. that plus up the middle uh, right now, I mean, we know that the Kessler-Johansson, it's a pitched battle right now, but there is no matching up with Nashville with Ryan Getzloff. And, and what Carlisle has been doing, especially if they, when they get the lead in the third period, is he's putting out Kessler and Getzloff or get, you know, two of the three guys, either Getzloff, Kessler, or Vermette, especially in defensive zone situations for faceoffs. And Nashville can't match up to that. So they, they have to get the lead. And they really have, and they really have to hold hold on to it and make Anaheim open it up because I think Anaheim, if they lead, they're playing right into their hands. Yeah, I do agree. What are your thoughts, Pete? You know, going back to Gibson, yeah, he's been shaky for two series now. Like, yeah. I, I'm not, I'm not sure that you know Carlisle's got 100 percent faith in him. His reads in front of the net have been absolutely terrible. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's letting the puck sit there at times. He's not sure where to cover it. He's waiting. He's hesitating. He's not seeing things very well at all. Um, and I think he's second guessing a lot of stuff going on. That being said, Russ, <clears throat> you're right. His defense setting up in front of him has done well. But I mean, there are some times, and I mean, in that one blowout against yours, he was terrible. I mean, and just not seeing things properly. And, he's still and I've heard that fully. I mean, that's the real, yeah. the real reality of that. Yeah. Yeah. But there's a lot of pressure on him. But they, but, but they really don't. They really don't have an option because I mean, I, you know, they've used Bernier in relief a couple times, but I don't think that they're going to sink or swim with Gibson. Yeah, they right. are. Yeah, it's oh, like, absolutely. Thought, they have to. Yeah, but I thought there was, I, I thought there was a chance. Sorry, go ahead. I, go ahead. I was just going to say, but then going over to the Nashville side of things, one of the interesting things, Eck, you brought up about um, Rene having these bounce back games. Well, actually, someone, and I can't recall who it was, I saw it yesterday, it actually looked at Rennie's bounce-back games, and they're not as good as you think they are. Mm -hmm. They actually show that rarely does he put up above 920 after he's been shelled. I guess he's the more name of a guy who goes this year, but, you know, in the past, is, that's one of the things, yeah. 
Yeah, I, I think the way he's been playing, though, that he, like yeah. I don't think that means anything as much as, hey, this has happened in the past, but I think the guy will regroup. I mean, he's been playing lights out. And if there's a the big belief, well, regression is here, he's not a 950 guy for the playoffs, well, that's fine. But I, I think he's going to regroup, particularly at home. Um, yeah. They've been deadly at home. I mean, just like that crowd, just whatever you want to call it, home ice, however you want to phrase the intangibles around it, Whatever is going on in Nashville, it's working. Bottle that up and sell it to every other arena. Well, I, 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 I think the I think the one thing in Anaheim's favor is the fact that they played Nashville last year. They lost the first two games in Anaheim, and they went to Nashville and won two games in Nashville. So they're they're used to that that yeah. electric atmosphere, and you know it'll be intimidating. It'll be loud, and if Nashville gets up, it'll it'll be really tough for them. But they've you know they're an experienced team who has dealt with that. So I think that they'll they won't be surprised by it. Yeah, but I think the other big edge right now for Anaheim is how Carlisle does have two of the three big centers on the ice. And not big, and I don't mean big in size. I mean, at the end of the game, big in face-offs. Just to have a guy like Vermette around, who is usually the shark of the league, if you look him up as far as being good on face-offs, they've got him, Kessler, and Getzlaff to take face-offs at the end of games. I'm telling you, Nashville has no compliment to that. They used to have Gostad, and Gostad used to be a really good face-off guy. Now they don't really have anybody. Johansson's probably their best face-off guy. Well, Fisher, Fisher, Fisher might, Fisher might be. I, mean, I was really surprised that they had didn't have Fisher taking the face-offs at the end of that game. You know that last game because I agree, I, I agree because they well, they were, they had three face-offs in the in the Anaheim zone, and Anaheim won all three very cleanly. And you're right, and and the fact of the matter is, you know, the big thing about that is you don't have to worry about icing the puck if you're Anaheim. Right. If you can do that, you know. So if you can keep winning those faceoffs, you're okay. If you yeah. if you if you're gonna lose the faceoffs, icing the puck becomes a whole different ball of wax. So that's yeah. where that's really helping them. And I also feel like Nashville's secondary scoring has left them so far this series. And and right. I think Anaheim's defense has taken that away. And I think that's yeah. something where Nashville needs to get that back. Because I think look, that'll change with Peter Laviolette being able to do a little line. Yeah, it probably will. I don't think we're going to see any Harry Zolnicek magic, though. I don't think that's going to. No, happen. no, no, no. You're not going to get that kind of crazy. That that, no. that that would not call. We call that fourth tertiary scoring or whatever you want to call it. Not yeah. really far, far back. Yeah. Let's go to let's go to Arizona because we want to get to the rumor chart as well. So Arizona, um, we yesterday you guys did Anaheim, and uh, today we're going to do Arizona. We're going to do one team a day as far as these this goes. Um, there's a really great website out there that I like, and I know the guys who run it, um, and I've been using it this year as well. Um, they might be working with Hockey Buzz in the near future, too. They're really good guys. It's called planmyteam.com. I don't know if you guys have played around with it at all. It's really good, and it really helps you with this whole thing. So um, I'm going to kind of bring that up. And I took part on one website to do this, but I don't know if it was that website. It might have been that one. They have experts here that work on this one. Um, they're really good guys, and um, we're talking together about doing something here. Because this, I, li I like what they've done. I know that they do it other places too, but I really like the way they have it set up. So well, I'm going to show you a little bit of this, and we'll get to the, we'll get to this team here. Well, um, while, while you're doing that, Eck, I'll just give, I'll just give you my you know because I, I I looked at it this morning in terms of in terms of the the, uh, the Coyotes and the conclusion I come up to come up with is the fact that they don't have enough players to protect. They have so oh, many. Yeah, yeah, they really don't. They really, they have, it's really they not have, a hard team. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they have so many exempt players. You know, young yeah. guys like Domi. That's how this works. If you look on here, what I'm looking at, okay, the guys in pink are you know they're exempt. Um, right. The ones the other ones with the uh, the others are hurt, um, so right. 
you've got that, and then you've got or the long term they're on long term injury reserve, and then the ones who are in gray have the no movement clause. They only have one of those. Right. Um, they have Galagoski. He's the only guy that's you know a no movement clause. So you're no, right, Mike. No. This is really not a hard thing to to do. Um, no, they 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 might be a team that out of necessity goes eight skaters and one because I don't think they have enough forwards to protect. I mean, Burmistroff is rumored to go to the K go going back to the KHL. Um, you know, they, they may not qualify some guys like, uh, like Peter Holland for is a UFA. So if they don't resign him, yeah. you know, so, so right now it's like, you know, you have to right? Here's my big beef. If yeah. they don't protect Anthony Duclair, shame on them. Oh, they'll put. Come on, they'll oh, protect him as an ass. They've got to do that. I yeah, they've got to move him. I don't know. They didn't use him. Well, when no. you look at this, the players they have actually signed for this year, right, Mike? They they have to protect. They have one. I mean, that these aren't UFAs. They have one, two, three. They have three forwards. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, and, and now 2018, that 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 would be protectable. So you're looking at um, Rich Brad Richardson. They'll protect him. Yeah, actually, so they have the same amount of forwards as as Las Vegas right now. Yeah, no. Yeah. The, there you the, the, the advantage. Yeah, the same salary cap concern too. Jamie McGinn, they'll protect him, right? I mean, yeah, Tobias Reader and Tobias Reader is obviously the biggest one they would want to protect. I think and, right? du, and Duclair and Duclair. And Duclair, right? So you got and, and Anthony Duclair. So that's four right there. So you still have three players you can protect here. Right, but if you go eight skaters, you can protect an extra defenseman. And if they like, you know, if they right. if they want to protect somebody like Luke Shen or Connaughton, I mean. Yeah. You know, right now I don't see anybody who's un being unprotected at forward that really hurts them to lose. What this screams, no. what this screams to me, guys, yes. is that they are going to be one of these teams that trades with someone who has too many players to protect. Bingo! That was exactly what I was going to say. They they yeah. have they have room yeah. for to add three forwards, and if there's a team yeah. out there that is going that has too many forwards, then they're going to be the drop the drop zone for the you know, and yeah. maybe they and maybe they get a draft pick. Just or don't have to give up as much to get to get those players. Right. Well, they're obviously, Tech Oliver Ekman Larson um, Galagoski. They have to protect and Connor Murphy. For as long as Larson's still there, right, right. Which I, like, which I wrote which I wrote about yesterday, Russ. Because I I think with with the they're not going to move them. With the perpetual renegotiate a deal with them. Sorry. With the perpetual rebuild that's going on in Arizona and them trading guys who are expiring contracts, how like do you really think Oliver Eckman Larson in two years is going to re-sign there? I don't think so. Unless he gets unless he gets overpaid and gets paid eight million dollars a year, or that team moves and they have ownership that yeah. uh, is able to afford him. Why would he waste the right remainder of the prime of his career after spending from age 18 to age 27 in Arizona? It doesn't make any sense. I mean, are they really going to wait yeah. for one more year to sign him? I mean, this is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, they can't sign him yet, right? Because they have to wait till July, July of next year. The crazy thing is, is like Arizona, you know, the whole idea that they just keep constant rebuild. It's almost like they're in a, a holding pattern year after year to be bought. Right, right. Like that's really what it looks like to be bought or moved. Yeah. Like I mean, you know what? If if Seattle could show up next year, I have no doubt in my mind they Arizona would end up there, and they'd right. have almost a clean slate, and they could start being serious about it. It's it's crazy, but we don't even hear Ekman Larson saying, "Oh yeah, next year we'll negotiate. I'm gonna you know yeah. extend." We don't hear any talk. Look at all this talent they have that exists. 
Well, act, and that, that was the, the, the offensive talent that's exempt. You could build a team with right here. I mean, this right. their 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 core group right now is anywhere between nineteen and twenty two years old, and they're yeah. all exempt. Which means they're th you know two or three years if they keep those guys together. Uh, from being potentially a good team. But the problem is is that Ekman Larson's contract is up in two years, and is he going to wait? No, he's not going to wait. They're going to have to overpay him to get him to sign a long-term extension. They're never – let's put it this way. At the rate that they're spending now, they will never be able to afford all of them. Right. Well, I mean, right now, I mean – Wade Pronger comes yeah. off the cap. Who else are they like? <laughs> Don't find a way. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're not, not all of them. Are be, no, we're not talking about after their PLCs wear off, Peter. They're going to have yeah. to sign some real contracts with guys like Keller. They're not going to wait yeah, for well, Prince Deals. But right. they don't have any real contracts. Like, this would finally be signing them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they really don't. I mean, these contracts, they don't have anybody over a million dollars down here in this group. Right, and yeah. kind of great. So, I mean, right. look at all these players. I mean, they're all like – and they have a lot of $800,000 rookies. Like, for, for, right. for a team, like, most teams well, don't have – this many eight hundred thousand dollar rookies. They've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight a million dollar rookies. Yeah, Datsuk, Datsuk's money drops off the drops off the cap. So does Pronger's. It doesn't mean anything because they're not going to spend that money. Yeah, That's I heard Datsuk doesn't like it. There is not going to resign. Well, obviously, but <laughs> I mean those guys are those guys are crazy, right? So I mean, Pronger, yeah, Pronger is officially done now. Is actually yeah, Pronger left. He was not. He wasn't happy there. So right, right. I mean, Verbata wants to stay. He'll stay. He'll probably end really? up. Really? I don't him. know. Willie? Yeah, he wants to stay. For a million bucks, he might get offered more than that this year. Who knows? No, I don't think so. No one wanted him last year. I don't think. I, well, I think no, no, no. They didn't. They didn't act. They didn't want him because the because of the screwy contract that Chica signed him to. Yes, and and no, no. yes, I think that's a good excuse for him. But at the same time, I've I've dealt with Rodimer. Verbata rumors. I'm practically an expert at Rodham Verbata rumors. I've talked to so many general managers about Rodham Verbata over the year. I mean, every year, for how many years have I talked to people about Rodham Verbata? And he really has a reputation of that he's only going to be good in Arizona. That's the only place he's going to play well. And that's really what they, people think of him. And that's about minus. He's not, he's, and, and he only plays well there. Here's what I think would be interesting Shane Doan here, okay? I'm hearing now, Shane Doan obviously didn't like what went down last year with Hanslow. We all saw that. Um, Mike Fisher's a UFA as well in in um, Mike Fisher and Shane in, in Nashville. Mike Fisher and Shane Doan are extremely close. All right, um, the families are close. Everything about them is close. I could see Mike Fisher taking less and convincing Shane Doan to take less to go play in Nashville. I could see that happening. I could see that. Shane Doan cannot play in a Laviolette system. That would be worse than Scott Hartnell playing. No, I don't know about that because I mean, oh, no, Shane Doan is smart enough. No, Shane Doan is smart enough to be able to pull that out. I mean, you don't. You he's know. not smart. He can't skate. No, but no, he no. He's he is he's good enough. No, Laviolette has enough respect for Shane Doan that he would make that. I I, I, have, I immense have immense respect. I have immense respect for Shane Doan. Shane Doan, but he can't yeah. skate. He's a, he he has had a fantastic NHL career. He might watch, but he also might. I could see a world. I mean, I've talked to you about this. I could see a world where he's convinced, like the Predators are. You know, they're going to either win a Stanley Cup or they're going to get pretty darn close. He hasn't won a Stanley Cup. Mike Fisher's there, and Mike Fisher's going to take less money to stay there because he's not going anywhere. Unless so. unless Shane Doan gets a leg transplant, I mm. think his career is over with. It's got to be done. I don't he's going to so. turn into Reg Dunlop or something. Like, I mean, that's unless all he's anything about Shane the anthem, unless he's going to replace the anthem singer, I don't understand this. No, did the interview you saw with Shane Doan last year after Hansel was traded give you any indication that Shane Doan thinks he's done? 
He may not think he's done, but I've watched him. He can only play on the power play. And that's all right. And you know, you've got a fourth line player with tons of experience and tons of character coming into your lineup. For I honestly, I honestly think that the only team, you know, will another NHL team give Shane Doan a contract if he asks for a minimum five hundred and fifty thousand dollar a year contract? Sure. I really think that the only team that will sign him for a year or more and give him anything close to what he's getting right now is the team that he's with right now. No, I don't think he's going. I don't think – I think we're looking at a $500,000 contract. Right? I think we're looking at – Shane Doan's at the point where he's made enough money. He just would like to have one chance to compete for a cup. And he's going to look at my Fisher in Nashville, and they're going to say, let's try it. I think you know, David Boyle, I, I, don't do it. He doesn't deserve one chance to compete for a cup. He's had a ton of years to take that chance. He's elected yeah. not to take that chance. No, I get Shane it. Crap position because Shane Doan allowed himself to get there. Right. Period. No, I, I think like, it was out of loyalty. Argument. Let's be fair, Peter. I think it was out of loyalty, and he did expect it to turn around, and he likes it there, and his family likes it there. I get those. Oh, yeah. I do. Yeah, me too. But, but to him, it was about his kids, and I, and and you know, and I can respect that. So yeah. I just, I just think that what what happened last year, the frustration that he showed at the, at the trade deadline when Hansel was traded, was more the fact that this team has been a perpetual rebuild since they made the the, the final four in in 2012 because they they played the Kings that year in the in the conference final and they've never gotten better and they've never spent the money and the only thing that they've done is you know trade away an Antron Vermette and then re-sign him. And maybe they're going to do that with Hansel. They traded him away for a first and a second round pick, and maybe they re-sign him. But it's basically you're spinning your wheels and not doing anything. And for you know, right. for the very small fan base in Arizona, that's got to be really frustrating because you want to watch a winner. And right now that team has got a lot of good young players, but there is not an emphasis on winning. There's an emphasis on existing and surviving. I think the the vanilla caviar that you saw in the last year in Philly is what you would see out of Shane Doan in Nashville. Right. Right. Well, you know, this could be Oh, that worked well. Yeah. It worked well in LA. Vinny dressed well. I have to admit, he was it's probably the totally best dressed guy. Players. In the press I mean, box. totally different kinds of players. I don't know. I'm I'm not convinced on that one, Russ. I'm not convinced because it's like Vinny was Vinny was is a superstar. Like he's a he's a he's a guy who scores 125 points or whatever in a year. You know, like he in his mind, he like Shane Doan has always been a good solid role player. Like that's what he's okay. that's his. I think that he can go in and be a well, real. What's his role going to be? His role is going to be as a leader for these young guys. Um, to help them out and to play power play minutes on the fourth line and stuff like that. That's where I see him. That's too much. You know what? I, I don't want a 40-year-old on, on, on the fourth line. I don't. That's Barry Melrose. <laughs> I, you know, who knows? But, I mean, the Predators, do things, the Predators do things very differently. And if, if Fisher comes to them with this this idea and says, listen, I'm going to I'm gonna take $1.5 this year. You're going to give him $500,000, <laughs> and we're going we're gonna to go from there. Fisher's the, a million dollar discount to stay there because he obviously wants to stay there. For the world, might be like, okay. say you can have an ATO for Vinny for for Shane Doan. That's it. I'll give him an ATO. That's for the it. long for the long term future of the Predators, I think they'd be better off if you know a guy like Hominev got in the in the lineup, or yeah. if Fiala, you know, if Fiala can play after this the, the serious leg injury, you know, give your youngsters a chance. Way better. Way better. Yeah. You know, there's they have good young players. Yeah, but I can see this happening. <laughs> I'm saying I can see I can see this. But I, I don't disagree with you that it makes more sense that way sometimes, and just from a pure like management of assets standpoint, that makes sense. But from a team's perspective, I mean, if he's if he's going to replace Cody McLeod, fine. 
you know, because Cody McLeod is. But yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's I think he actually has a year left in his contract. I actually, I actually want to say something. I think Cody McLeod is a good player. Like I think, I think he is beyond what people. I think he has a Tom Wilson type aspect to him that that I could see him playing like a Wilson type role at some point in his career. He's he's got he's got sneaky moves, Cody McLeod. He makes like. The other day, maybe one of those, you know, come from behind the net type turnaround flip moves really quickly. That was really impressive for being such a goon. He scored that big goal in the last three. <laughs> yeah. No, no. no. He scored that big goal. Now, the guy who's the most likely to be gone from this team and to be picked up, if it isn't something where, you know, somehow they don't pick up no one, they, like, like, you know, Vegas picks up no one because of some kind of trade or something else that happens, or they end up picking up someone that, the, that they trade for. Um, but the most likely, when I look at the team right now, the most likely, I think the most interesting player that could be available to pick up would be Timo Polkinen. Yeah, I think Polkinen is a guy that would be a good pickup. I do. I think. Yeah, but he's. I mean, he got pa- he got passed around a lot this year, Russ. He did, he, but he still has a good shot, and you might as well give him a chance. You're gonna yeah, need goals. He, he is a sniper. He is like the Finnish yep. poor man's Joffrey Lupel. They will need somebody to score. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> That's what I'm going to call him. The finished poor man's Joffrey Lupo. That's, that's really what he is. Yeah, the finished job, poor man's Joffrey Lupo without the injuries. Right. I, you know, I do think, Eck, before I know we may have still a little time, I don't want to bring us down, but we have to say, we have to acknowledge that Marcel Peltier passed away. He was the uh, Flyers player personnel director yep. winning Stanley Cups. We used to see him pretty regularly in the, in oh, yeah. the, in the, in the press box. Even up to this past year, he's 89 years old. Just want to let everybody know that our hearts go out to his family and friends and all that. He's a really funny guy, too. Um, We've all talked to him, like all of us. And Phil. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I went, so I promised some rumor chart stuff, so we're going to do that now. Okay. And, uh, the rumor chart launched today. Um, I could have launched 120 players on there. I went with 80 um, and then begged my readers to help me because I've run out of RAM. Like, I've completely, like, I'm just doing my best here to, cut it, to keep track of 80 players. I mean, this is always a tough one, but the trade deadline now is officially the draft to me. Like, the right. actual trade deadline is easier than the draft. Throw on the UFA day on top of that. That's harder. That's that's hard. And then throw an expansion draft with all the other trades into it. Uh, you know, I, well, I have really been working overtime to get this ready. Can, can um, I can I can I can I throw can I throw one out in honor of Peter? Just because we always talk about it when when Peter's on the show. Because our good old buddy Jacob Truba. He's on here. <laughs> He's on the list. Oh yeah, he better. And we have, and we have basically forty-five percent, or half half the amount, uh, you know, nearly half of him staying in Winnipeg, and thirty-five percent is a team with a blue and white emblem. <laughs> yeah. That I think I recognize. I think it's the Toronto Maple Leafs. If I can read. Right. Look, uh, I think Truba would be the perfect piece yep. for the Maple Leafs. I yep. mean, there's no question. And under under Babcock and what Babcock brings to the game, I think there's just a whole world of joy waiting Maple Leafs fans there. Yeah. But there's nothing coming back from the Maple Leafs that Kevin Dayoff is going to bite on. And it's going to take gross overpayment to get him to bite on something. Right. Well, here's the thing. And this is where, and I don't know if they're on the list, deck, but the other day at breakdown day, Elaine Vigneault for the Rangers gave a sort of veiled prediction or whatever that they're going to get a young defenseman in their decor and i'm thinking well who's young defensemen that are out there there's victor antipin in russia there's jacob truba in winnipeg there's um will butcher butcher on the free agent market and maybe there's one other guy that might get traded that we're not thinking but i mean but there's not a lot of young d-men chen kirk does not qualify as a young d-man so 
Jacob Truba, at least if you're going to trade for Jacob yeah. Truba, you might get Brady Shea in return. I mean, that's a heck that's, of a guy to get in return. That is the rumor I have heard. Yeah. And I think it's, I think it's a rumor of piecing logical things together. And right. if Kevin Sheveldoff stays to his thing, this is the kind of thing that makes sense. Rangers are going to have to throw something else in. Yeah, they'll throw in another prospect. Yeah, yeah. they'll throw something else in. But well, that's the kind of deal that's going. That's the kind of deal that's going to have to happen. I mean, and I don't really like. I have no vested interest in where Truba goes or ends up. It doesn't matter for the team. It's got to be the right thing coming back. Right. If it was the Leafs, like all be it, but they don't have that asset to send back. Well, and they, so right no indication What's that? Well, they 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 do. I mean, they, they, if well, I mean, if the opinion of of Shovel Day off regarding Jake Gardner is, <laughs> I know Russ, I know, but hey, he had a career, he had a career year, and he you know, and and he you know, he had over forty points this year. You're trying so, to sell a Volkswagen to a guy who likes Mercedes Benz, though. I mean, hey, I, hey, you know my opinion cool. of Jake Gardner. I'm just telling you, I, I'm just saying, uh, my opinion is not the same as some other NHL general managers. I think Jake Gardner is a limited guy, but you know, you have to, you have to come to the reality here that Truba, you know, after his after his uh, bridge deal expires, he's probably going to hold out again if he's if he's in Winnipeg. So, you know, you've got, yeah. you know, Gardner. I mean, it would be a Gardner plus plus. It would be probably Gardner and a first-round pick or Gardner and a good prospect. But, you know, like a like a Caspery Kapanen or somebody of that nature. But I think that's plausible. But, yeah, I mean. If I'm going Jay Gardner or Brady Shea, who I have – more oh, I, over. Come on. I would take Brady Shea over Jake Gardner. I'm just yeah. saying I don't know. I don't know whether the Rangers are going to offer Brady Shea unless Elaine Vigneault has so poisoned Jeff Gordon's brain that he thinks that Je that Brady Shea is not a good defenseman because he is. Well, I, he is. I think the fact that he didn't use him late in games doesn't bode well for next year. And I also think that they could make the argument that hey, Truba helps them with their their top four core that they like to have where they haven't welcomed Brady Shea into that yet. Right. Now, Ak, who, who did yeah. you want to bring up on the – right, let me throw this rumor out to you. Just This is not a rumor. This is just like a, a couple names I heard mentioned with them, why I have Truba there going to Toronto, okay, because I was going through my notes here. Um, I heard that, you know – now, I know I know really Winnipeg, we all know they should be getting a defenseman back. That's what they need to get for Truba because they're giving up a defenseman, right, and that makes sense. Yes. Um, so this is not, you know – best defenseman in the world, but it was a combination of the two were kind of interesting, and that was Kasperi Kapanen and Stuart Percy. Now, yeah. Percy is a pretty good young no, defenseman. No, no, per Percy's, Percy's, Percy is gone. He's in Pittsburgh. He's in Pittsburgh, right. Okay, so that's that makes no sense then at all. So that person I can't talk no, to. I mean, it, may, it, may, it, may have been, it may have been one of their – yeah, yeah, That might have been from my notes from last year. So Yeah, no, it may have been oh, a top no. prospect like Travis Dermott or Andrew Nielsen, but not – no, it's Sir Percy's in Pittsburgh. He's a yeah. former first round pick, but no, right. he's not on the radar anymore. All right, but Casper Kapanen's still on the radar. Yeah, and 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 Casper and Kapanen would make a lot of sense as part of a deal for in you know a deal to Winnipeg because you've got you've you've got the you know the line A you know former teammates from the from the Finnish Olympic team or Finnish sorry Finnish uh, world uh, world junior team 
Um, I mean, that's why, and I know that there's been some speculation regarding Edmonton as well and Pooley being part of a Truba deal. And that, you know what, that might be even more likely now after we found out the news today that Sakara is out for nine months with an ACL tear. They're, the Edmonton Oilers are back in the market for a defenseman. Well, yeah, Pooley and and putting, would you, would you want that? Peter, you want to bring those two together? No. <laughs> no. Nope. Got it. Nope. All right, let's get nope. to some of the other. You know what? The Jets, the the Jets have all the pieces they need on forward. They like, you know, they, do. they don't really need and, offense. They don't. Yeah, but they've got Roslovich and and Kyle Connor itching to get in. They do. You know. Yeah, but you can move and, those guys to get defense. You know, like you could actually. I mean, if you can get Puljujarvi, I mean, you're talking about a you know what could be a killer combination. They won't move Roslovich or Connor. They really won't. But this yeah. is this is this is but the no, problem. They won't. I agree with Russ. They're not going to. They don't need to. But this is the problem, Peter. The only teams. You know, the only teams that are. I got a bad echo here. I got a bad echo here. Not crazy echo. Sorry about that. Sorry about that. All right. I'm good. Are you? You're okay. So must. Are you? You're okay. So must. No. No. Let's mute you for a second. Everybody speak. All right. Mike. Yep. Okay. You and I are okay. Yep. All right. So maybe um, Russ, unmute yourself. Okay. Okay. Russ is okay. So Peter. You can't hear the echo. You can't hear the echo. Actually. Yeah, that's Peter. Actually, yeah, that's Peter. Start, come back, Peter. Sorry. Peter. Return back volume. Um, anyway, so. Um, anyways. Um, there we go. Thank you. Well, that, that was unfair the way that went down. The, o- the, the, on- the only the thing the thing with Winnipeg is, make an argument there because that was not fair. The, the thing with Winnipeg is is the fact that teams that are trading for Truba don't have a defenseman like Truba. So you can't expect them to, like, I mean, okay, the Leafs have Morgan Riley. They're not going to trade Morgan Riley for Jacob Truba because that, what's, the, what's the point? Well, no, but the idea is I get what they're trying to do. It's not that you're giving someone of equal value to Truba. It's just that you're giving them a defenseman they can have control of for three or four years, and that's, that's what they're looking for. He doesn't have to be the exact same duplicate of Truba, but he yeah. has to be something close. Now, now a team, a team like a, a team like Boston, mm-hmm. who you know they could trade a McAvoy or they could trade a Brandon Carlo. Mm-hmm. They probably won't want to because they're cheap and young. But well, they'll never trade. They'll never trade McAvoy. Now Carlo, you never know. Right. That would make that would make sense. I mean, the Islanders, maybe a, a Pulak who may have fallen out of grace or something like that. You know, Anaheim, but the you know. Because but those teams are already like it's Philadelphia. I mean, is Philadelphia going to trade Travis Sanheim for Jacob Trubo? I don't think so. Why they, no. they have tra- they have Travis Sanheim for three bag. years for basically I'm under a million dollars. I'm under a million dollars. You know I've I've said this till I'm blue in the face and I'll say it again. I think there's the ingredients for something creative to happen this year because so many GMs have to do something creative. But it's going to take Chevy to be a little more amicable to something different than give me your top equivalent left hand D for Jacob Truba. Like that's, that's going to end its own, like that's an end. That's a, there, there's no win in that. There's no, there's no trade in that thing. Unless it's, um, what's it? How do you say it? Shage? Shage? Shage. Unless it's Shay. And, and that's, that, you know, find another guy like him. Maybe it happens, but who would Philly trade for Truba? Do they, uh, and, and they've no, got all the defense in the world. Pretty much everything. No. Right, like you know why they wouldn't. You know why they wouldn't. Oh, shoot, we gotta pause you. Oh, shoot, we gotta pause you. It's crazy. Me, you know, I got log like in if you could. That'd be great. Um, Me? Real quick. 
You want me to log out or? No, 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 just Peter. Okay. Peter, yeah, Peter. Um, what I was going to say is I don't right. think Philly wants to do that because they're going to have enough contract problems right. that worrying about having to add to the Trouber one. Now, they do have quite a few people with Trouber's same agent, but I still don't think that's going to bode well salary cap-wise for them. Yeah, I'd agree with that. So it's funny. I'm looking at my notes here, and it's five thirteen sixteen. I've got, I've got, uh, I've got Percy and and the captain, and I'm realizing, wait a second, it's seventeen right now. Sorry about that, guys. Five thirteen sixteen. So this is a year ago they were talking about Toronto and, and Winnipeg. That's how long this has been going on for Truba. That's how long it's been interesting. It's been going on. That's very fascinating. Anyway, let's move on to uh, the actual rumor chart right now. What we have. Let's do a um, couple quick ones. Do a couple quick ones here. I'm just going to show you guys the first four names today because this is the rumor chart launching day. We really appreciate you guys supporting the site and and log and and you know it's only like twenty bucks a year. We think it's kind of worth it, but it, it really it does. If nothing else, it helps us out a lot. So here's the first four we're going to go with today. And um, so we got JVR, Duran, Oshie, and Duchesne. These are this these are this is pretty much your uh, your I'll call this your Mount Rushmore of uh, of players available right now. Um, these are you know these are four solid. And uh, starting with JVR, obviously, um, you know, you've talked a lot about JVR and whether or not Toronto's going to be bringing him back, Mike. Yeah. Um, still have Toronto being the favorite, but, you know, at only 40%, there's there's a better chance that he's not back. So, yeah, I, I, I think that I really think that uh, even though the, the, the Leafs signed a couple European free agents today, that then these guys are probably bottom pairing guys. You can't really depend on them to be impact players. For them to get a top four defenseman or somebody who could grow into being a top four defenseman, they're going to have to move JVR unless he agrees to an extension. That's a reasonable amount like Kadri and Riley took last year. And I, I'm not 100% sure they're on board with that either because they have so many wingers in their system right now. So I, the team on that list... I mean, I, I don't know a lot about you know Colorado being having interest in you know that would I would think that would be like a Tyson Berry deal yeah, maybe that. Would like be that. Yeah. Uh, New, Jer New Jersey doesn't have the defenseman unless you're talking a, a Severson, and why would they give up young defensemen um, when they don't have enough defensemen? The Islanders are loaded with blue liners, and so is Anaheim. So right now, the guys, the team, two teams are ten percent. I would say the ones that would lead in 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 the opportunity, you because know, Van Riemsdyk would be a perfect winger for Tavares. Yeah, he would. He would. I think that's true. I, the Islanders have had, have always shown like lukewarm interest towards him, though. So that could change, though, depending on what they see, what else they see out there. Sure. Um, yeah, you gotta just wait and see what the market has. I think the market's gonna play into this a lot, right? Um, so, um, okay, Drew Ann is the next name on here, and this is a you know a lot of people believe he is gonna get traded, and these are the names yes. that I've heard the most of. I, I think, um, yeah, I really think Montreal is gonna make the biggest push for him. They they need that. They need him. They really need that kind of player. They, whether or not he wants to go to Toronto or not, to go to Toronto or not. Of course, of course. So, you know, that's, Peter, that's, you got to you got to mute yourself. Sorry, Peter. I don't know why. If you could log out completely and come back on, maybe. But um, anyway, um, yeah. So, but Nashville, obviously, and I don't know between Nashville and. I, th I think Colo I think Colorado is the one that I mean it's the the enticement of putting oh, yeah. Yeah. McKinnon and Druan together. Um, makes a lot of sense. I, I don't know. I don't know how anxious Steve Eiserman is going to be to trade Duran inside his own division. Right, but I think Tampa and Philly have have a good relationship, and I think yeah. Philly has great interest in Duran. I've always heard that. Yeah, they have the kind of assets Tampa could use, and Philly needs scoring. And yeah. I think this would solve a lot of things for them, and also would then 
let them be able to cut bait with guys like Scott Lawton and and a few others. Yeah. And and so I think you I think Philly would make a big play. They would make Philly, the most sense. Philly makes a lot of sense, but the thing is, if you're Iserman, you know you're gonna want. I mean, obviously Philly's not trading Proforoff. They're mm-hmm. probably not trading. They're you know they're probably not trading Gostaspier. Although you know based on the little fallout that I don't know, they might you know Gostaspier is from Florida. They might trade him there. A, a Gostaspier for Dread deal would make a whole lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think they're trading Gostaspier yet, but it's possible. It's possible. It's possible if they feel Sandheim's ready. I, I'm telling you, Sandheim's a better version of Gostaspier. I know Sandheim. Yeah, I mean you know Sandheim could be involved in this deal as well, but that would sure. be. That would try, be a, try unmuting yourself, Peter. Maybe the echo's gone. How's that? Yeah, there. you're better. Thanks. Yeah. Okay. Okay. The thing about Philly that I always wonder, based on what I read about it, is how content are they with Hackstall? And if you're going to bring in Duran and get rid of Augustus Bear, like, are you banking that what you're going to do with that change is going to work with Hackstall as coach? I don't. Is that, a, is that an issue? Is what I'm getting. I don't getting think Haxtell has long-term viability there anymore. I'm not saying he's going to get fired in the first two weeks, but I don't think he has long-term. I, I think with with the change in the ownership, the way it is, I don't think he's safe very long if he doesn't have instant results anymore. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that too. Um, then moving on to TJ Oshie. Um, before we get out of here, um, again, Oshi is going to be uh, um, the most talked about free agent of the summer. Yeah. Um, as to where he ends up, uh, this is where I, I this is this could be the Tavares thing here. You know, um, this could be. I think really, I could see this happening where he goes to the Islanders. The, there's no question Vegas is going to be is going to try to make a play for him. I'll, I'll make I'll make a prediction. Oshi is going to get more than six million per year. Yeah, no, he will. He will, which is kind of crazy, but you know he will because of the market, and you know, and because well, there are so many teams. And the, and you know, I've heard St. Louis is interested again. That's kind of funny and, in, and interesting. I think for Blues fans will like that. I mean, that's what that's what Bacchus got last year. That's yeah. what uh, Opozo got last year. Uh, that's what uh, um, Franz. I think Franz Nielsen got that, or or whoever signed with Vancouver. I can't. Oh, um, yeah, but you know what? Here's weird. the funny thing. Weird. If we go back and analyze all those deals, so far none of them were worth it. I know, but they're but but yeah. teams will still be stupid to spend that kind of money in free agency. That's true. It's always been true, right? Yeah. Well, where does what is the what do the Islanders do to a, to to fit Oshie in? They don't have a lot of cap space. Yeah, no, they don't have a lot of cap space. They'll have they, to they probably you know, they probably buy out Halak. Yeah, they'll move maybe Halak Andrew Ladd. I mean Andrew Ladd. <laughs> no. Yeah. That would be crazy if they bought Andrew Ladd. But they're not they're, buying out Andrew Ladd. He did well. I know. No, no, I know. But I'm just saying. Well. I mean, remember, 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 Peter. They've got. I mean, they, they can buy out Halak, and they've got over four million dollars that they bury on long-term injury with Mikhail Grabowski's uh, wonky oh, head. Oh, right. So they got. They yeah. have. Room. They have some room. Yeah. That's well. right. Um, and then finally, uh, you know, with Matt, the, the Caps will try to get him back too. The Caps will make a play for him, um, yeah. but that's whether or not they can or not, or whether or not he wants to go there or not. Is those all? There's a I lot. Think, of- I think he will give the Caps the last word. Like he'll get a deal, yeah. and he'll go up to them and say, "Can you match this?" I think he will do that. And the Caps will only be able to do that, you know, if if Alzner goes elsewhere and things like right. that. So it'll play into a lot of what happens. 
there. Um, Duchesne is the final one. Um, again, the Islanders, right? So here's like another possibility for Devaris. Like we've talked about, the Islanders are very much in play with all this stuff because of the disappointment they had because they need, and again, like you said, you know, I mean, maybe this is a Hamannick for Duchesne trade. This is like a situation where you see a player like that go, and, you know, I've heard that. Colorado could 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 use a defenseman like Hamannick. Yeah, but based based on Colorado's uh, fiscal responsibility, should we say, I think they would be. And you know, Hamannick is contract is less than four million dollars a year, and he's a good defenseman. But I have a feeling they would probably want you know a young one of the younger defensemen, maybe, maybe a guy like Pulak, they would. You know, who who could be who could legitimately be. I don't know if he can be a top pairing guy, but he's got the shot that he could be a power play guy and somebody who could score, and that and they could they, they would benefit from that. So. Yeah, I mean, but Duchesne didn't do himself any help in terms of wanting to get out of town with that. Uh, I think he went, what, one goal in the last 20 games or something like that? Yeah, at the that end. team was just awful. Here's yeah. Yeah. He's always been streaky and, and emotional. So I think there's a like, – there's, there's, Still had a really good year. I think if Joe Sackick does get moved out of his current position, Matt Duchesne goes nowhere. That's what I honestly think. Yeah, I think Jack. I think I think Sackett's gonna. I was. I've been told he's gonna move up into like the president's. Because so I don't think they could afford to move Duchesne yet without everybody sort of seeing what they have with some of their youngsters coming up and and Rantanen having a bigger role. Like I just think there's no reason to to push him out yet. Is it? Here's my where my thinking would be. If I was going to them and saying we could trade Matt Duchesne for Matt, for for Hamannick, you know, they're gonna say, is this gonna help us become a playoff team? And I'm gonna be probably not. Matt Duchesne for Jacob Truba. It would be more than Hamannick. Um, oh. <laughs> but even I if mean, it's more than Hamannick, let's say let's say it's Hamannick and Casey Kazikas. Is that going to make them a playoff contender? Probably not. No. 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 Um, I mean, I've also heard Matt Duchesne for Jonathan Durant, too. I've heard that being thrown around, which is, like, you know, always fast. Yeah, I mean, that's fine. I mean, they might do that. Well, yeah. I mean, the thing is, is that I, I mean, it's sort of like the opposite of Winnipeg. I, I, you know, every indication is that Tampa, if they trade Durant, they want a defenseman for him. Yeah. So yeah, that's what they well, that's what they want. But you know, you know, there's other. I mean, that's that's their obvious goal, right? So, but uh, there's the beginning of the rumor chart, guys. Eighty players on there. Check it out. Um, I'll be adding more, updating more as we go along. And um, thank you so much for supporting him. And uh, thanks so much for supporting the Hockey Buzzcast. Um, and we'll be back again tomorrow. Uh, we'll get into the next team tomorrow, which I guess would be uh, uh, the Boston Bruins. Boston Bruins. There we go. We'll talk about the Bruins tomorrow. And we'll, we're also going to have um, – we're going to be joined tomorrow by Paul McCann the, uh, from the Nashville Yikes. Predators. Who, uh, yeah, who will be there tonight. You'll be able to hear Paul doing all the uh, goals scored by stuff. On the, that's him in the background, you know. And uh, Who will be – Who will be – Sorry, who will be playing the period, which is my favorite, you know, when he says there's one minute left to play in the period, and the whole the whole uh, room says, thank you, Paul. And you'll listen for that. I don't know if you've ever been there. You hear it loudly. But you know, that's minutes. cool. Yeah. You'll hear it, though, when he says, last minute to play in the period, and they'll say, thank you, Paul. Um, so that's Paul. who will be with us tomorrow as well. Um, remember, without the buzz, it's just hockey. We will talk to you then. Enjoy the game. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.